Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast, bringing you heartwarming and real conversations with teachers on the front line of education from across the country. I am Karen Sarah Watson, and I am a teacher. This podcast is for those who want to better understand the experiences of today's teachers. Come join us. Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast. I'm really honored today to have Ashley Craig from Orlando, Florida on. She's a teacher there. Ashley, tell me about yourself. Tell me about where you teach and what you teach, and we'll kind of get into what's going on with you. Awesome. Yeah, my name is Ashley Craig, and I currently am a, oh, actually today was my last day as a fifth grade teacher at um, Riverside Elementary in Orlando, Florida for Orange County Public Schools. And what was you, what did you teach? You taught, oh, you taught fifth grade. Fifth grade reading, yeah. Great. So um, the reason you're coming on my podcast today, um, besides being a warrior teacher, is that I came across on Facebook a post that you wrote about you are just fed up, you're leaving teaching. And I just want to talk to you tonight about like what happened, how did you, how did you reach that conclusion And where do you go from here? So let's just start about like what made you write that post? So uh, maybe three or four weeks ago, you know, COVID has been really difficult. And the second that our commissioner of education, Florida, took away the rights of the school districts to decide how to open schools, every teacher knew this year was going to be hard because, you know, in Florida, we're so varied. We have Orlando, we have Jacksonville, we have Miami, but we also have small rural areas that may have been able to open in a different way than the cities would open. So when they took that right away and they said every brick and mortar school has to open access for all children five days a week for whoever wants to go, we all were like, okay, well, she's going to be something else. So we do have different programs for our public school system right now. So some children are at home learning asynchronous with the classes. Some teachers are teaching face-to-face. Some teachers are teaching blended where you would have half a class online or half a class in person. And then some teachers have full face-to-face classes. So going into this year, our board had meetings, 12 hour long meetings, deliberating over how to open schools safely. I listened to every single one. I mean, that's my job, my livelihood, my safety. So I spent a lot of time just listening and thinking like, what solutions do we have? And really when the rights were taken away from the districts, there are no positive solutions that Florida can give. So, you know, this year I went in, I was like, okay, I was assigned to all virtual. So mastered virtual in a week, you know, put in all my time and energy into virtual learning, changed all my lessons from past years over to virtual. And then I was asked to be a blended teacher where I'd have half my class face-to-face and half my class online. So that brought apart new challenges. I think that was like in the second or third week of school. So um, the face-to-face part did bother me just because of the COVID pandemic, but also, you know, the education, being a teacher, you want your kids to get the best education possible. So part of me was like, okay, well, I'm young, I'm healthy. I can keep my fifth graders are pretty understanding. You can kind of explain to them what's going on. So I started out with four kids and then it slowly went up to eight kids. And then going into the second nine weeks, we were asked to be a full face-to-face. So I only teach reading and my partner only teaches math. And so my reading class is, my morning class is full face-to-face and my afternoon class is full online. 
So I've had three class changes in nine weeks. How many kids? uh, Face to face, I ended with 16. Yeah. And and then you had online too. And um, are masks required? I mean, is it, are you in a, were you in a safe environment at least? Orange County does require masks. The district promised that we would have um, these like swivel cameras to teach online kids more effectively, which nobody has seen. We were also promised a lot of different cleaning measures to take place or ample space for the students. The recommendation, you know, from the CDC is six feet. And in my classroom, we're lucky to get three feet between kids, you know, when I only have eight kids, it wasn't a big deal, but with 16, I'm like, well, (laughs) there's no social, there's, yeah, there's no social distancing. They told us that at our, at my school, that they're allowed up to 16, you know, and we're just kind of waiting for that to happen. So, so what happens? So you, you're suddenly face to face with these children. Um, let me ask you a question first. Sorry, I'm stepping on myself, but um, what is the COVID rate there? Like what, what is going on with COVID in, in your district? COVID is increasing. Actually, it was just released that this past week we had the highest amount of COVID-19 cases reported in our district since schools have reopened. And they're attributing a lot of it. In the second nine weeks, a lot of children came back to school. We shut down one high school, an elementary school, an ASD unit. Um, I don't know all the stats. I haven't been able to keep up with that, but I get the calls and you hear, oh, this school shut down, this school shut down because of COVID. And at my school, we had two classes in quarantine for a little bit, for the full two weeks. But, um, you know, they're just trying to keep it as business as usual. And that's actually why I decided to leave because the state and the district are still mandating our teacher evaluations are done at a certain time. And they're evaluating us on things that they've never done before. And like what specifically, what are they now evaluating on that they haven't done before? Well, the evaluations are the same, but you're evaluating me in a model that's never been used before. Right. and then, you know, the expectation is to have small group. Well, how do you have, how do you pull kids for small group when you're not supposed to be cross-contaminating? You know, my kids are in alphabetical order all day long from they're sitting in their desks to the lines because we have to turn in seating charts because if somebody's positive, they may not quarantine the whole class. They'll quarantine the children that are sitting close to them. Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's insane because they're contaminating a whole room and that's, wow. Yeah. So my biggest reason for leaving was honestly, the district is acting as though business as usual and business should not be as usual. The big push to open schools was for children's social emotional health. They saw suicide rates go up in children. Children are hungry. We lose, I think Orange County has 8,000 missing children still that we don't know where they're at. So oh my God, 8,000. Wow. So they wanted to open schools for all those reasons because we know schools are more than just education. We feed them, we give them health services. You know, we do everything for kids. But now we're turning around and saying standardized testing is going to happen as usual. Teachers are going to be evaluated as usual. Our pay is based on our evaluations and our evaluations follow us through our career. So I was like, not this year, not doing it. And they're still doing that. I mean, they they didn't change anything about evaluations. No, nope. the district you, refuses. They're saying that their hands are tied by the state 
And they, I know I've listened to quite a few bargaining sessions between the union and the districts, and that's what they just keep saying. Our hands are tied by the state. And I'm just like, okay, well, then my hands are tied by you. Right. And you have an interesting governor, too, who's... <laughs> exactly. Not being so safe anyway. Um, how long had you been contemplating leaving? Was this something that was sudden, or was this just a buildup from a long time? Actually, the really ironic thing is I won teacher of the year. I went into the <gasps> school year. What? Yes. So I went into the school year super optimistic. I'm going to help people with technology. Um, I'm an adjunct at one of the local colleges. So I'm very familiar with all the online platforms because we use them in those classes. So I was like, okay, you know, I ran digital trainings. I was doing everything, trying to help everybody get up to speed, you know, and um built a lot of really good relationships. My whole, like our whole staff came back super positive. We were like, okay, we're gonna make this work. We're gonna do the best that we can. And it was just like blow after blow after blow after blow of expectations. And I was like, I'm done, you know? And- Tell me like, what kind of expectations that do they have of you? What were some of the things they were asking of you? Um, like just testing in general, you know, online, the children have to take tests and if they're not done, you get questioned as to why they're not done. And it's like, I, I've called the parent. There's nothing else I can do if they're not in front of me. So, I mean, different teachers definitely have had it, I think, harder than I have, in my opinion. But I, I'm, luckily, I'm young and single with no children. So it's easier for me to make a career change than somebody who might rely on the benefits or the retirement or anything like that. That's what a lot of teachers are fear leaving for. And I understand. I mean, if you're 15 years in, it would be harder to walk away. How many years in are you? This is my fifth. It's your fifth year. So what's happening is we're learn we're, we're losing teachers who have just started, not just um, older teachers, it looks like, but it looks like you won teacher of the year. Was there, um, were they shocked when you, you said, I, I can't do this anymore? Yes, um, I would say a lot of people were definitely very shocked and, but I will also say almost every teacher is like, thank you, go speak out, talk to the news, talk to the media, tell them what's going on because the, what's portrayed by our district is not what's actually happening in our schools. They're promising that things are being cleaned every day that aren't being cleaned. They're promising that teachers aren't doing the cleaning or aren't being at risk for being with these children all day, you know, some children can't wear masks and teachers are forced to still teach them if they have a medical exemption, just crazy things like that. And every child deserves the right to learn, but every teacher also deserves a safe workplace. Right. So you went and you went, you went to the news, you went out there and you spoke they out. Came, I'm, they they came, came to you. I mean, several requests about why teachers are leaving and a lot of it was spun towards the pandemic, which is a big reason why teachers are leaving. But it's also super important to understand that had Florida always treated their teachers right, teachers wouldn't be leaving because of the pandemic. Right. And, you know, Governor DeSantis's teacher raise 47, 48, 5, something like that. My district hasn't seen it. So there was supposed to be a raise and it never happened. And they're bargaining it and there's no no conclusion to the bargaining on either side. I mean, and when you listen to it, it's very difficult to follow, you know, what's going on. I know today they went to impasse over it. So who knows when the teachers will see that money. 
did, um, were there any teachers who followed suit? Did you, were you the first person to leave in terms of your school? I know, your I'm pretty sure one teacher at my school retired early, but she did it at the end of last year. This year, I am the first person to walk away from education in general. Um, one other teacher was transferred, but I think it was just low student enrollment more than anything. And yeah, but many teachers are like, you're an inspiration, you know, or thank you. And thank you for doing it, especially having the platform of being the teacher of the year. And now my school has to report back to district, their teacher of the year walks away, questions will probably be asked. And so I think having that platform and leveraging that voice is really important this year because things are not good and everyone's acting like everything is the same as it is every other year. Right. And we're supposed to, teachers are just supposed to just be soldiers, you know, without ever asking questions or wondering. I mean, I just, it is amazing that I'm finding that you're the second person in Florida who said they are so, such a stickler about testing and and assessments Um, right now when we can barely get kids online, we can barely, you know, tell me again, how many people are missing? How many children have been missing? 8,000. 8,000 in our district. 8,000 children are missing. I mean, they haven't shown up to school and they haven't like shown up online or anything. You don't know where they are. Correct. Why is this not on the media? Like why, why does, did you talk about this when you, um, when you interviewed, like do does the media know about this? Um, I just saw a story, I will look it up and tell you, I just saw a story the other day, um, our union is very vocal and active in the local politics, and I saw it from them, actually, so, let's see, it was, like, the end of the month, 8,000 was the last number I saw. And that's just in your district, so we don't even know in the state of Florida, like, October 10th. Orange County, Florida thousand missing students and it was on NPR that they were talking about it and the um and the district or you know the administration like nobody's really doing anything about it like they haven't sent out people to find them or has there been nothing's been done I don't know yeah I mean, that's yeah eight thousand not a lot is being done <laughs> right exactly with, with that many so how hard of a decision was it for you to finally say I can't do this after five years it, it was definitely very difficult because I, I'm in education for my relationships with my students. I love watching my students grow in their fifth grade year and love seeing them develop like their love for learning, you know, and just encouraging them to be the best they can be. And that's the hardest thing. And I think that's the hardest thing for a lot of teachers doing virtual learning is building that relationship is very different this year. It's strained. I know with my online class, I I had to do different things than I do with my face-to-face class, just because you got to check in with the kids, you know, how are you doing today? And some will tell you and some won't. And some kids don't ever turn on their cameras and some kids don't ever turn on their microphones and you can't fault them. You don't know what situation they're in, but what are we doing to assist that or to call in to check in? You know, how are we building relationships with these students that don't say or do anything in the classroom, you know, and it's unfortunate because it results in failing grades. I can't do anything as a teacher if you're not doing anything as a student, but at the same token, there's, there's gotta be something that can be done in the middle about it, you know? Right. Right. Was there any support with social emotional 
learning and stuff about like helping these kids get back in? Like, did you have guidance? Like, did you have guidance counselors? Was there any talk about how are we going to deal with the mental state of kids and teachers? Was that ever addressed? I know at the beginning of the year, we were instructed to do mental health check-ins with our kids three times a day. Like, hey, how are you doing type of thing three times a day. Um, my guidance counselor at my school is very good and she knows the kids' stories, who's homeless, who needs food. I mean, she knows. So I think it probably varies a lot by school. Our district this year has a big push for social emotional learning, which is an appropriate time. Um, and I was actually a part of that team who was spearheading all of that with from the district into our schools. But this curriculum was not written for a pandemic, you know, it's not and it's for students. And like you said, teachers need it. You know, we're pushing teachers into these classrooms and teachers are crying and stressed and don't know what to do and feel inadequate every single day. And as a teacher, if you continue to feel inadequate, it's not going to be a good outcome for you or your students because you have to come in knowing what you're doing matters. Especially when you're getting evaluated, like you're getting, I mean, I don't know what the degree is, but in my past, I've had some difficult principals who have just completely not fair, just given some terrible evaluations that weren't even the truth about what I was doing in a classroom, you know, and it, and it just, it, it brings your, your, your own emotional life down. Like it brings your, you know, your own confidence down as a teacher. And I feel like right now we, we need to do everything that we can to boost teachers up so that they can boost their children up because who is supporting the teachers? That's always my question that I ask people like, you know, if you're supporting your students, who's supporting you? Well, in this year, I mean, going into this year, the district and the superintendent has constantly said, you know, our word for the year is fluidity. We're building the plane as we fly it. This, this is the Bitcoin phrase of the year. Fluidity, have grace. Teachers are expected to be fluid and give grace to everybody, but no one is giving it in return. And right. that's where teachers are burning out so fast. I mean, usually you get the burnout a little bit before Thanksgiving. Everyone's just like, ah, you know, we need a break. But then you come back from Thanksgiving, you're like, okay, we got three weeks, we can do this. And then in January, everyone's good again. You know, it, that's the cycle right. every year. But right. to have teachers burning out in September, October is ridiculous. How did you, um, how did you deal with this with your students? I actually had a conversation with my face-to-face -face class. Um, obviously, I have better relationships with my face-to-face -face class. But again, this is my third class change. So some of them have only been in my room for two weeks. Um, so that was where I was kind of torn because these kids haven't had a lot of stability this year. They've been at home or they, now they're coming to school. Everything is different at school. You know, even at recess, we can't play with things together. They're, I mean, it's it's crazy. So, and I understand why we, we can't play with things, but we need to come up with innovative solutions for these kids. Um, but I had a conversation with them on Monday and I just sat down with them and I was like, listen, guys, I, you know, Thursday is going to be my last day here. It's not because of you. Uh, this year, you know, has been different and it's been difficult and I've had another job opportunity presented to me and I've decided to pursue it. Um, do you guys have any questions? And that's kind of how we did it. I'm like, what can I do to make this easier for you? You know, and they ask questions and they want to know where I'm going and 
even today, the kids, when I was leaving, they were like, thank you. You know, we're going to miss you. Don't leave, but good luck. And one, one student was actually like, my mom said she understands why you're leaving. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, how, how are the, how are the parents? Like, are they, do they, um, do they understand what's happening in school with the teachers? Are parents aware of that? I I think some are, some are, I mean, this year is different and it's difficult. I would say my parent contact this year has been increased for my virtual class, but decreased for my face-to-face class just because you have to give and take somewhere. I have a lot of students that I've taught either summer school or tutoring or, you know, I've interacted with their parents before. So that makes it easier because you already kind of have that, you know, I know who you are relationship. But mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, a lot of students are failing right now and you have to explain to parents too that they hadn't been in school since March. So we're coming back in August at the level that they should have been when they left school in May. You know, like we're not going back and reteaching that. We're not changing our curriculum at all. We're just starting with huge gaps. Yeah, I mean, that is the most shocking, I think, of of, with the curriculum is that not keeping that in account, I mean, and just to keep going, moving forward, and you leave so many children behind. Mm-hmm. Again, like they're just they're just trying to survive right now. So I just feel like the emphasis on testing and like academics should be minimal compared to just getting them back into an environment again. So that is just that's insane. That's insane that you went back to your curriculum. Um, so now, where do you go from here? You, so you mentioned you had an offer. Yeah. So I mean, I started looking for jobs probably about four weeks ago. And I had a couple interviews with different companies and somebody gave me a job offer that was good. And so I decided to take it. I wouldn't say it's going like, it's a good opportunity for me right now. And, you know, and it's a good chance. It's a good change for me. What what kind of work, what kind of work is it that you're doing? Training. Okay. Yeah. Training for adults in the corporate world. So it'll be a big change and I'm, I'm excited. New challenges, you know, I'm very optimistic and like to, I like to learn new things. So I think it'll be an exciting change. Uh, Today was difficult leaving my kids though, you know, and just seeing them like, you know, what's going to happen next. And it's heartbreaking. And what about your, what about your fellow teachers? How was it for them to watch you leave? So actually my partner teacher and I have worked together my entire teaching career. We moved schools together even. So I've taught reading, she taught math. Everyone's like, you know, y'all are two peas in a pod. Our kids know what happens in her room, happens in my room. What doesn't happen in her room doesn't happen in my, I mean, we work together very fluidly and the children know, and it's very good for them because it's the same expectations in both places, you know? So, um, that was really hard to leave because we've been close for five years. Obviously we're really good friends too. So I'm not worried about, you know, the friendship side of it, but I also know for her, I'm impacting that a lot. You know, my, my whole fifth grade team, because it's just going to be very different. I mean, I'm always the one doing all the writing stuff because that's what I like to do. So they're just, it's going to be a lot of changes and what I'm doing is causing a ripple effect, but I wouldn't say anybody really blames me you know everyone's like do what you need to do for yourself because many teachers have told me if they had the opportunity to walk away they would right I I had that feeling (laughs) so many times so I I get it I get it I mean you know it always came down to like to where where would I where am I going to go first of all 
especially because I love teaching, but it's also where am I going to go for this money and the security, you know, and how do you just start over again? And, you know, when you're paying rent and everything else. So I'm, I really admire that you were able to find, you were able to transition out. Do you think you'll ever go back? Do you think this is something that's temporary or do you think that this is like a permanent no? I would like to see public education in Florida get better. And I don't know when that will happen. I don't know if a change in governor is going to change that. You know, I, it's so hard to say. Florida education has always been the bottom of the United States. I mean, it's never been a high priority for our state to have high paying teachers and quality schools and all of the resources we need. So if public education got better, I would definitely consider it. I am really excited to go into this new job and learn something new and develop a passion there. So if I fall in love with that, then of course I would never look back. But, you know, am I renewing my certification? Yes. You know, you got to keep it all open to you. But Right. right. Um, and so what kind of advice do you have to teachers who are too afraid to like make that step who are just kind of drowning and you know and they're afraid to speak out I mean in Orange County we're very fortunate we have a very strong union and if you know your contract then you know what can and can't happen and I think there's a lot of power in that knowledge and even when your administrators and your district knows you know your contracts they're already not going to do as much as they would if they don't think that you're going to fight back and the last year we had a huge teacher rally I mean for higher salaries and this all started in what 2018 we started really rallying to get higher teacher salaries and I mean hundreds of people showed up at district board meetings packed out the building so teachers have really been coming together in my county for a couple years now fighting this So I think the pandemic has just made us a stronger group and has really given our union power to negotiate for us. If you're in a place that's not backed by that, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I think there's a way to respectfully tell somebody that they're asking too much. And I think that as long as you have tact and doing that, like my kids are learning, my kids are happy. Um, Is it necessarily the highest standard right now? No, but let's look at why. Like, I'm filling in the gaps for them. And anybody who's in education for the right reasons wants the kids to be successful and they should know the good pedagogy to get them there. Right, right. Well, um, I encourage you to keep speaking out. I think you're, you know, I, it, it's really important. Um, you're my first teacher that I've, I've uh, interviewed that is actually leaving um, because of what's happening with education. And I think there's a lot of people out there who have left who have not spoken. So you're incredibly brave to A, speak out. You're, you're brave to come on here and talk about your story. And I think people need to hear your story. And so I hope that you keep writing and you keep posting and you keep speaking out for teachers because we need people like you. Um, I'm, I'm always honored to, to um, interview activists because um, it helps. it just helps me. And I think it just helps everybody. So um, I just want to say thank you for what you're doing and I wish you the best of luck in your, in, you know, this next step in your life. 
Thank you. I'm really looking forward to it. And I told all my teacher friends today, I'm like, listen, whatever you need, I'll be on the outside now so we can work together. It doesn't have to come from your lips. It can come from mine, <laughs> you know? I right. I, I mean, if I'm walking away, let's make it purposeful. And that's how I feel. Like, right. public needs to know this is what's happening in public education. And there should be interest in that. That's your children. Like, how right. are we not interested in public education? <laughs> Right, exactly. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And again, I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. The Warriors of Education podcast is produced by me, Karen Sarah Watson, and edited by Alyssa Renzi. If you are a teacher or you know of a teacher who has a great story, you can find us at warriorsofeducation.com or email us at warriorsofeducation at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Teachers, we hear you, we see you, we honor you. 